Hello, you're listening to the Pomerado Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for spending time with us today. If you're a weekly listener, welcome back. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here and hope you consider subscribing. If you're in your car, on a run, doing things around the house, or working out, and want to connect even further and take next steps with us, visit pomerado.info. Now, enjoy this week's message. All right, well, good morning, everybody. Uh, It's good to see those of you who are here with us in person. It's good to know we have some of you joining with us online as well. Um, I want to just start off right off the bat to um, last week, uh, Steph and I went to go see um, Hamilton up in the Pantages Theater in Hollywood. So uh, that was very fun. I will spare you, um, just like I spared Steph, all of my rapping uh, for this sermon. So, however... uh, there's, uh, if you've, how many of you, real quick, how many of you have seen Hamilton? Don't worry, the whole message is not about Hamilton. This is just an intro. Uh, how many of you have seen it? Okay, so you know there's a, early on, there's a, a song called My Shot, and it talks about, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry. I'm not throwing away my shot. So I was, like, talking to Steph, and they, you know, they sell their merchandise. I'm like, oh, like, maybe I should get one of those shirts. Like, you know, 37's, like, young, right? And so I'm like, oh, I'll get one. Didn't get it. And then Friday, uh, just a few days ago, I was walking up our stairs at home, had a cup of coffee in one hand, picked something off the floor uh, with my other hand, and as I bent over, like, I felt my back just twinge. Um, and so I'm like, I guess I'm not young or scrappy at all. <laughs> uh, still hungry, though, so we'll do with that what we will. But, uh, so that's why I've got a chair today, uh, so forgive me for, uh, for uh, not maybe walking around as much as usual, but um, we're, uh, we're really excited uh, to be able to conclude our series with Monsters, uh, Fighting Enemies of Faith. And uh, we had our first week, we talked about anxiety. Last week, Pastor Evan Foote just did a phenomenal job uh, walking us through the idea of isolation, uh, which was really, really great. Um, and today, uh, we are going to discuss the topic of fear. And so, as we enter into this time and, and um, acknowledge that some of you, you might be joining us for the very first time, uh, we're so glad that you are here with us, whether here is in person or here is joining us online. We honor you. We're grateful that you're here Um, And we hope that each and every person who hears my voice knows that they are loved by God. And we hope that each of us draw one step closer to him today than we did when we first entered through these doors or we first turned on the service from home. So with that in mind, will you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you so much for who you are, and I thank you for each person who hears my voice. Um, Lord, whether, again, they're live in person, live online, or listening to the sermon podcast later on, God, I pray that each and every person who hears my voice, again, knows that they're deeply loved by you. And God, we know that there are plenty of things around us that can create fear, concern, anxiety, um, the temptation to isolate. But Lord, we pray that as we dive into your word, Uh, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of us. And Lord, we pray that um, we would uh, see how you interact with us and how you guide us and comfort us and meet us in our fears. So Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. And before we get there, um, I did something like this similar about a year and a half ago, but we'll do it again uh, because last time I showed these pictures, um, this was during the time when we were doing services all online, pre-recorded, and so I didn't get to have some interaction. So I wanted to maybe revisit some of these because we have a couple of photos here that um, talk about kind of common fears 
uh, common phobias that, that many of us have. And so now that we're all in this together, I want to see if I could just get a show of hands of how many of you um, experience some of these types of fears. Uh, so let's go to the first one here, uh, the idea of the fear of heights. Do we have anyone with fear of heights? Some people like to say, I don't have a fear of heights, I have a fear of falling from heights, right? So it's a little bit, little bit different there. Um, so next one we have, uh, which is thankfully I don't have, uh, fear of public speaking. Um, uh, I was talking to Steph, I was working with uh, Elise to work on a craft, and like, I would rather speak to a crowd of a thousand people than try to figure out how to do a craft. And so um, it's just not my gift. Do we have people with fear of, this, fear of public speaking? Great, I won't make you say your names and talk in front of us. Um, next one, very common, right? Uh, arachnophobia, fear of spiders. Do we have anyone with that? Oh, okay, not as many as I thought. Interesting, maybe it's because those are purple and blue and not real. Um, uh, fear of small spaces. Anyone have a fear of small spaces? Claustrophobia? Uh, I usually don't, but there was one time I was in uh, a, on a plane and I was next to someone. I was in the, the, um, uh, on the window side and the person next to me was just kind of like a wide sitter. Like they just kind of took their space. And so I just remember feeling very cramped across the side. Uh, and I was watching a movie in which someone was strapped in to a metal container and couldn't move. And I'm like, this feels very apropos. And so uh, I felt a little stressed. And then I switched the movie to Thor and it was in New Mexico and it was wide open spaces. So that was good. Uh, next one we have here, fear of germs. Uh, I feel like it was very appropriate that they had like a New York subway as the example, um, as the picture there. Uh, fear of germs, we have people have fear of germs a little bit. Okay, uh, let's go to this one, fear of needles. Do we have anyone who has fear of needles? Uh, I had to get over this one very quickly when I was younger because I had... Um, I needed to get uh, allergy shots, and so um, every week um, for, for about a year or so there, I was just getting, um, getting poked with needles and getting some allergy shots, and so I was able to thankfully get over that one relatively easily. So obviously there's many, many more. There are many, many more types of fears. There are some common ones. Um, I have a, a very random fear. I've shared it with you all before, um, and I have no idea why, but uh, sometimes I, I get nervous when I'm going on uh, really long bridges, so like Coronado Bridge, I appreciate from a distance. Um, but I can drive on it, it's fine, but I just get a little bit more worried. I think it's like a mix of fear of heights slash falling, and then a mix of like uh, fear of drowning, and then like a mix of um, irrationality, I don't know. So um, just recognizing that we all have our own fear. So maybe yours was listed, maybe it wasn't. But those are things that we have, and some of those we feel, feel more real than others, and those are tangible fears that we have. But there's other things that maybe we can't put our words to quite as easily, like fear of maybe failure, fear of not being able to do it. And, and you know, yeah, there's a word for it, but maybe there's this idea we're afraid that we, we won't be able to have what it takes. Maybe some of us, we have a fear of being alone, like people rejecting us. Maybe some of us, we have a fear of... Um, living a life, or maybe rather put it this way, a fear of looking back on our lives and wondering how much of a difference did we make. Maybe some of us have a fear that we're not going to be able to make ends meet and we don't know how we're going to survive financially. Maybe some of us have a fear of, I mean, there's so many different things, and that's not including other cultural things going on in our world that can cause fear and concern and anxiety like we referred to a few weeks ago. And so what we're going to look at today as we study Matthew 14, the story of when Jesus walks on water, we're going to take it, I mean, we're looking at the scripture, looks at through 
the disciples' perspective for most of this story and the kind of fear they experience. And so the first point or the basically what we're going to do is we're going to have a point about fear. We're going to look at some scripture and then a point about faith. And so our first point this morning is this idea that fear, whether real perceived fear paralyzes, fear paralyzes that oftentimes when we are face to face with a fear, before we have a choice to act or whatever we do, the first thing we do is often, we often freeze. It's that deer in headlights look. It's that idea of I feel like I'm about to lose something and, and I'm afraid of what that might look like. So let's start the story um, of Matthew 14 for context. Right before this, Jesus has just fed the 5,000 men, not including women and children. So it's even more than that. But he just fed all of those people. And immediately after that, we jump into the story, verse 22. So in fact, the first word of verse 22 is immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves uh, because the wind was against it. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. So we'll stop there for a moment because there's a couple of things that we want to pull out from this passage. One is that when it talks about a considerable distance, it's, it's at least three to four miles is the way they equate that off of the shore. Um, also recognizing that when it says shortly before dawn, the, the idea there is literally the, during the fourth watch. Um, and what that means is between 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. So this is a point where, you know, one, some people will be watching. Uh, others would normally be sleeping. However, because of the wind and the waves, we're tired, we're exhausted, we're fearful. And the disciples are experiencing this. And then all of a sudden they see a figure walking across the lake. And... They would look at it or, or um, the idea of a storm, the idea of water, the idea of uh, like the Greek god would be Poseidon or the Roman god would be Neptune, like the idea that the god of the sea would be very powerful. Now, these men followed Jesus and they were learning more about him and many of them were, you know, had Jewish backgrounds. So they weren't following these Roman gods and goddesses. However, it's this idea of this overwhelming fear that the ocean, the, excuse me, the lake was, was having a big storm. The wind, the waves, it was buffeting across them. And uh, one of the shows I'll watch every once in a while is Deadliest Catch. You guys ever watch Deadliest Catch um, about the uh, fishermen up in, um, like the, during the crab season up in um, up Bering Strait in Alaska? And there are some shows when I'm like, you know what, I could totally do that. And then there are shows like that. And I'm like, I can't do anything about that because, you know, I walk outside and it's 65 degrees. I'm like, this is freezing. And so um, rec just recognizing that, I'm like, oh, I watched that. And you see the wind. You see the waves. You see how tough the water can be. And yet we see how in the midst of that, they were paralyzed by their fear. Now, just a quick note, the word terrified and the word fear are actually different words in the Greek. The word fear that is on that, they cried out in fear, comes from the word phobia. It's, it's phobos. So it's what we talked about. There's different fears of something. Terrified has this connotation of one of the only other times, it's, it's not used a ton in the Bible, but one of the other times it's used is uh, in Luke chapter 1 when the shepherds see the angels all of a sudden and they were, it says frightened. 
But it's that same idea of it's not just like, oh, I'm scared. It's, it's, it's more than that. It's a little bit even more extreme. And so with that in mind, we recognize that there are things that are very real around us, whether internally that we feel fears of, whether it's arachnophobia or um, germophobia or whatever, or whether it's things around us that we look around at our culture and there are things to be afraid of or fearful for. And so these fears... The storm was real, right? Like that was a real storm. It wasn't a perceived storm. It wasn't something that was all in their minds. That was a real storm with real danger and real fears coming behind that. And so in the midst of real storms and real dangers and real fears, if we are just trying to face that on our own strength, we recognize how easy it is for fear to paralyze us. That they cry out in fear and they're just stuck and there's, there's no Coast Guard to come and help them. There's no one they could call you know, on the satellite to, to track their positioning. There's nothing they can do. And then on top of that, they see what they perceive to be a ghost walking across the water to them. So fear paralyzes. But what we're going to learn in the next few verses is that while fear paralyzes, faith catalyzes. Faith allows us to get out of our comfort or to get out of whatever we're facing and to take steps towards Jesus. That we recognize that fear is what allows us, we make the decision to either lean into that fear with courage and to face those fears and, to, and, and draw closer to God in the midst of those fears or we face it with cowardice. That it's not a sin to be afraid. But when we are afraid, how do we respond? Do we stay paralyzed and allow our fear to dictate our well-being or our faith or our our temperament? Or is there a place in which we see we can bridge that gap between fear that paralyzes us to faith that catalyzes us to a step closer to God? The next idea we're going to compare in the next couple of verses is that fear stays comfortable at a distance from Jesus. That we'll see in the scripture here. Let's, let's read the first few verses, or excuse me, the next few verses, starting in verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. See, we'll find out in a few moments when we continue on with the story how Peter looks and he fixes his eyes on Jesus and he's able to walk on water and then he ends up falling down and he ends up, um, you know, having that moment where Jesus is like, you know, why did you have feared? Why did you doubt? And we've talked about this before as a church and you've maybe likely heard this before, but we look at this often as a, a misstep by Peter, that somehow he, he didn't have enough faith, and therefore it was a, a detriment to his character. And Jesus says, you know, why did you have little faith? And, and he doesn't chastise him, but he does ask him. And yet, Peter was the only one with enough faith to walk on water. See, fear keeps us comfortable and keeps us at a distance from where Jesus is. See, fear is what kept the other members of the boat, or the disciples, excuse me, in the boat. 
You know, it could have been like a whole Congo line of like, oh, you're, oh, Peter's walking on water. Let's all walk on water together. They could have walked across and they could have experienced this moment with Jesus. And yet fear keeps us at a comfortable distance, keeps us safe, where we want to keep, you know, all the bad things we're afraid of out. But sometimes if we don't step out in faith, it means that it keeps us at a distance from where Jesus wants us to be. It keeps us at a distance to being drawn closer to him. John Ortberg in his book, If You Want to Walk on Water, You Got to Get Out of the Boat, um, he has a quotation that says this, the decision to grow always involves a choice between risk and comfort. That means that to be a follower of Jesus, you must renounce comfort as the ultimate value of your life. Now, we may not we may not think of comfort as our ultimate value. We, we may not necessarily agree with that initially on first glance, but if we start to think about the things that, um, that we find value in, many of them are things that help us to feel more comfortable, more secure, more safe. Is it bad to feel that way? No. But if that becomes the ultimate value, being safe becomes the most, the, the, the most ultimate value in your life, then we're going to be stuck on the boat in the midst of the waves, being fearful of capsizing and missing out on the invitation to draw closer to Jesus. If we allow our ultimate value to be comfort, then what do we do with statements when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me? He doesn't take, say, take up your pillow and have a good nap. He doesn't say, take up your comfy shoes and go on the journey that I've already, that, that's very easy for you. He doesn't say, take your GPS and, and just fall very clearly when the person with the Australian accent says, please exit to the right, you know? Maybe that's just our Siri has an accent. Uh, maybe not yours. It's, it's saying that if you're going to walk on water, if you're going to have that ability to draw closer to Jesus in relationship to him, that means there has to be risk. And risk can only come when we choose courage over cowardice. Faith is not being sure of what we already see right in front of us. It's not being certain of what we already know is very painfully obvious to anyone around. Hebrews 11 says faith is being sure of what we do not see. It's being certain of what we do not see. So it takes faith for Peter to come closer to Jesus. The fear holds the disciples back. Friends, are we Christians? Are we followers of Christ who are more like Peter willing to walk towards Jesus no matter what? Or are we more like the disciples in the boat who still love Jesus. I mean, they, they, they love him. They follow him. They're there for him. They, they know he's there for them. But when the time of fear comes, they stay comfortable distance away from where he's calling. Friends, are we a church? Is the church, Palmerado Christian Church, and the church, are we living in a culture where we remain fearful of what's around us? Or do we recognize that we've been called to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, to be a light in a crooked and depraved generation, to stand on the truth of God's word and what it says and not kowtow to what's going on around us? 
Do we recognize that in a world that is constantly fluctuating and there's storms and waves and our whole lives are rocking, that the only foundation upon which we can walk is the one by Jesus? 1 Corinthians 3.11, there can be no other foundation other than that which has been laid in Christ Jesus. So in a world that's constantly shifting, sometimes walking on water is the most stable place to be because it's drawn closer to Jesus in relationship. See, fear keeps us at a comfortable distance, but faith risks getting closer to him, getting closer to Jesus. Saying, God, I don't know what this looks like. I've never walked on water before. And Jesus, if it's really you, and the, the idea there is since it is you, or because I agree, acknowledge that it's you, tell me to come closer to you. Notice he doesn't say, just let me run around on the water to have fun. Notice he doesn't say, I would really love to just actually climb on a wave and like slide down the back. The reason for walking on water is not for his own entertainment. It's so that I may come closer to you, Jesus. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And with that simple word, Jesus responds, come. Peter experiences something none of us ever have. Not just that he walked on water, but that he didn't, that he was able to have the faith to get out of the boat. So, We've already hit on a couple points here. The idea that, you know, fear paralyzes, faith catalyzes. The idea that fear keeps us at a comfortable distance from Jesus. Faith risks getting closer to him. And then our third point based on the scripture here today is that fear causes us to doubt what we believe. When we allow fear into our lives, it causes us to doubt what we believe. Here's how we continue the story in verse 30. But when he, and he is referring to Peter, When Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. You know, what's interesting about that idea of doubt is that we see this idea of doubt come and faith mixed together come later on in Matthew, Matthew 28, after the resurrection, and when Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, it says the disciples were there, they worshiped him, and yet some doubted. It's like after all they've seen, how is it that they could doubt who Jesus is? And yet, I could ask us that, or I could ask myself in the mirror, after all I've seen, of how God works. After all, how we've seen in our own individual lives as a church, after all we've seen, how can we doubt that God is with us? As we enter into the Christmas season that celebrates God with us, Emmanuel, recognizing that Jesus came down from heaven. He didn't have to do that, except for the fact that he loves us so much that he came down to live a perfect life and to die a horrible death and then be raised to new life, or excuse me, be raised back for the resurrection so we may have eternal life and new life in him. So this question, why did you doubt? You know, I had, um, in this season, as I shared, it's, you know, it's been a couple of weeks ago, I shared how it's been just a tough season overall. And, um, I have this uh, verse from, oh man, I have too many notifications here that I can't look at my, my lock screen. 
Um, I have a lock screen that I try to have in order to remind myself of things, right? So whenever I look down, if it's not covered with notifications, I'm able to see, um, uh, just to be encouraged by this verse. And so if you'll give me a moment, I want to pull it up to you because I have this in front of me all the time now. It says, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. From Isaiah 42, verse 16. And the reason that's encouraging to me is to recognize that we are all in a season where there are real waves and real winds and real fears and real storms. The road ahead of us seems rough. A lot of things around us can feel dark. And yet, God promises to be with us in the midst of that. He doesn't leave us with a flashlight and say, good luck. He walks on water and says, come with me. And he invites us into that journey. And so doubt is normal. Doubt is something that happens to all of us. Doubt is something that we can't chastise someone else for their doubt without recognizing that we do the very same things throughout different seasons in our lives. But the question remains, when we doubt and when the fears seem to overwhelm us, what do we do? Because when Peter, notice what it was that caused him to sink, as we keep that up there. When he saw the wind, which on the one hand, it's like, he already knew there was wind. He already knew that there were waves. He already was aware that this was going on. And yet his focus was so clearly on his Lord that it didn't matter to him because his eyes were fixed on the author and perfecter of faith. And yet when he turned to the left or to the right, when he saw the waves, when he saw the wind and how it was buffeting up against the boat, for that moment, the fear superseded his faith. He was already walking on water, and yet all of a sudden he felt like the water could then be a danger to him. He was already walking on water and didn't remember that the one who created and controlled and was the firstborn of all creation, Jesus, was right in front of him and who was the one who gave him the power in order to walk. See, sometimes in our moments where we are stepping out in faith, the enemy doesn't always try to get us before. Sometimes it's while we're walking and while we're trying to be faithful to what God has called us to do and while we are pursuing Jesus despite the distractions and the waves and the, the, the difficulties, it's then he says, but did you look at how big that wave is? Have you noticed how strong that wind feels? Are you aware? Did you, did, you, did you see how hard things are around you? And it's like the moment his focus, Peter's focus, got off of Jesus, the foundation upon which he walked started to crumble. And he started to sink. And yet, verse 31, immediately he called out to, to Jesus, and immediately Jesus reached out his hand. And he caught him and he picked him up. See, fear causes us to doubt what we believe. But as we follow in that story, then those who were on the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. 
Faith, fear causes us to doubt what we believe, but faith causes us to worship him in whom we believe. That, friends, on the other side of our storms, if we fix our eyes on Jesus, on the other side of our fears, if we pursue relationship with Jesus, on the other side of our trials, is a deeper understanding of God's love for us is a deeper understanding that Jesus is who he says he is because he's able to hold us up when we would normally crumble because he's able to walk with us when all we want to do is faint. He's able to pick us up when we are stuck in the miry clay because he responds to us immediately when we cry out and he picks us up. Now, some of you may be wondering, Yeah, but what happens when I'm praying and God doesn't seem to respond right away? Or how do I rectify what you're saying that, yeah, immediately he does this. But what we don't always see is, we don't always know how God is working, number one. I don't pretend to know all the ways he works. But two, even if we don't understand the how, even if we don't understand the what, We may never understand the why, but we can always hold tightly to the who. That in the story, the storm is not the point. The one who calms the storm is. The wind is not the point. It's the one who calms the wind. Our fears is not the point. Talks about being terrified, talks about being frightened, crying out in fear. The fear is not the point. It's the faith that we have in Jesus, the one who could calm the storms, walk on water, invite us in a deeper relationship to him. And on the other side of the storms, instead of begrudgingly frustrated with him, we, like the disciples, can truly say, truly, we worship you, Jesus. Truly, you are the Son of God. Because when I just think of what I've been through and what it would have been like without you, I can't help but worship you and praise you for how you brought me here. So we all have different storms. We all have different things. We all have different fears. My hope is that I can encourage you this morning to cling tightly to the one who's already extending his hand out to you and to risk walking towards the one who when we ask him, he doesn't say wait He doesn't say become perfect before you come to me. He doesn't say fix yourself before you show up to me. He says, come. With your fears, with your doubts, come. With your concerns, with your brokenness, come. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. So I just want to do one last thing in the last few minutes we have together. When you read a passage like this, this is just um, kind of a a fun slash simple Bible study tool that if I could equip you with something, um, it's just helpful to know that when you're reading the scripture on your own, one of the ways that we can approach the text that's really helpful is to note words that are repeated. And so there's one key word that we saw three different times in these 13, 14, 15 verses, and it's the word immediately. And I want us to pay attention to the fact that this word happens in verse 22, this verse happens in verse 26, 
Um, and this verse happens, oh, sorry, verse 27, and this verse happens, or word happens in verse 31. What can we learn about Jesus and this word immediately? What does that draw our attention to? In verse 22, it talks about this. It's because Jesus immediately sent, he sent them, the disciples, to get into the boat and to go on ahead of him and on the other side. That's what verse 22 says. And so Jesus knows the timing of our storms, and he immediately sends us to face them so we may worship him. Recognize that he could have kept the disciples out of the storm completely. Stay here for a while. Let's, there's a storm coming. Let's, let's just camp here. Everyone's really happy with us. We just had a great meal. We're tired. We're going to just, let's, let's just stay here and be comfortable but Jesus knew the timing of how this was going to work. He knew that between 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. there was going to be a storm that was going to cause the disciples great fear, to be terrified. He knew that after his time of praying, he was going to meet them in the midst of their fear. He knew that on the other side of our storms are often moments of deeper worship and relationship with him. And so he's immediately sent them because he knew the timing had to be such that they needed to reach their their moment of great fear when Jesus would show them what it looked like to have great faith. So he knows the timing of our storms and he immediately sends us to face them. So we worship him. You know what that means? That means there are oftentimes we are not ready to face the storms that surround us. That means that we don't know when the clouds, the storm clouds are coming. We could see it in the weather, but we can't see it in our own lives. Not always. And we feel a couple of drops and we think, oh, this is uncomfortable. Oh, I, you know, this, or maybe we think, oh, this is kind of nice. We need the rain. And then all of a sudden, a couple of drops become a deluge. A deluge becomes a storm. A storm becomes a flood and a flood creates fear. And we think, how could God let us have storms? Well, we don't know the why. We don't know the how. We don't know the what but we can cling to the who. And we worship him on the other side. The second immediately comes from verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Jesus immediately gives courage to the fearful. Notice he doesn't remove the storm when they cry out to him. He gives them courage to face it. In the same way that that verse, or that idea of terrified pointed to Luke 1, when the shepherds were terrified when they saw the angels, when you see an angel in the Bible, often the very first words that the angel would say to the people is, peace, do not be afraid. He's saying, do not be afraid. Jesus follows that example. They are terrified. They're feeling that fear. He says, peace, do not be afraid. It is I. And that word, it is I, the Greek um, the Greek translation of that is, is not so much, I mean, it is, it is I. Another translation literally in the Greek is this idea of I am. So for those of us who, who have a background in understanding the Old Testament and we've walked with Jesus for a while, we recognize that God is, the name that he gives the people, Yahweh, is I am who am. And so this is one of the declarations of Jesus' deity prior to the cross and the resurrection. It's saying, you are facing storms. Take courage. I am. 
I've shared with you before, I have these stones that I'll write down, um, uh, stones of remembrance, things that God has done in my life. And I remember one time um, in my previous church, I was praying and I felt this very clear um, reminder that God's saying, I am with you. But it wasn't just he was present. It's the idea that the I am, the God who created the heavens and the earth and spoke it into existence. The God that by his word, all things were created. The one who knew me before I was born in my mother's womb. The one who shaped me and formed me and breathed life into me. The one who could calm any storm in my life. The one who can pick me up when I'm falling. The one who is all powerful, all loving. The I am is with me. And friends, the I am is with you. Take courage. I am. And so he doesn't remove the storms right away. And friends, we know this. We've experienced this. But he can give us the courage to make it through this day or this decision or this moment. He gives us the daily bread when sometimes we want the whole feast. But if we have the feast we rely on ourselves. The daily bread helps us to rely on him. And lastly, immediately is used in verse 31. We just read it. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And Jesus, he immediately catches us when we fall. And, you know, there are times when if you have kids, they, they fall down and you rush to them to see if they're okay. There are other times when they fall down and you think, that might have been a little dramatic. I don't know if you really hurt yourself there. That's my sinful flesh side. But it's recognizing that when we fall, Jesus picks us up. Sometimes he picks us up and helps us, asks us to limp along with him as we're hurting. Sometimes he picks us up and just holds our hands while we walk. Sometimes he picks us up and carries us because we have not the strength to keep going. But do you not know and have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? That even young men stumble and fall and wrench their backs picking up things. Oh, that's just me. Even young men stumble and fall and grow weary. But the Lord... We'll renew our strengths so we may soar on wings like eagles. So, what do we do with this? I just want to encourage you from 2 Timothy 1.7, with, as we, this is our last slide, our last verse. But the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. That word timid is, um, it's recognized that in the face of fear, that word timid equates to the idea of cowardice. Right? It's the idea of in the face of fear, we stay in the boat. In the midst of the storm, we stay comfortable. In the midst of the trials, we don't act. When God says, do this, we hold back. So God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, of timidity, but one of power. The kind of power that Jesus, the I am, the God, God the Son, came down to this earth and he tells Peter to, to walk on water, the kind of power that allows us to face real and spiritual battles with the armor of God from Ephesians 6. He gives us power. He gives us a spirit of love. 
The kind of love that Peter says, if that's you, I want to draw closer to you. I want to be where you are. So I'm going to risk falling in the ocean. It's not like they weren't already wet, right? So he's like, I'm going to walk towards you because of the love he had for Jesus. And then a spirit of self-discipline. Another translation is to have a sound mind. That when the fear comes, we don't get terrified to the point where we, we can't think straight and we allow the fear to dictate our faith, but instead it's faith over fear and it's this idea of having a sound mind that we know that when we fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, we're not eliminated from the storm immediately. We're not rescued to the point where we don't ever feel difficulty. But on the other side of that storm leads to worship. On the other side of the, of the boat, when we step out of it, leads to closer relationship with Jesus. And when we experience that kind of faith and that love that he has for us, it reminds us that the next time we face something, we need not lose our minds because Jesus has already captured our hearts. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for who you are and we thank you that you are with us. God, I thank you for each person who is, um, again, listening or watching, who is here today or listening later on. God, I pray that you meet us in our fears. God, you don't chastise us for being afraid. You wonder, though, where our faith is. God, for some of us, um, for some of us, Lord, we're, we're fearful right now of something going on internally or externally, and we're struggling. God, help us not to fix our eyes on the wind, but help us to fix our eyes on the one who calms it. Help us not to give more credence to the storm than the storm calmer. Help us not to stay in the boat, but to walk closer to you. And help us to get through the storm so that on the other side of it, we bow down and we worship you. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember, we're prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.